Good morning. Yeah, you can do that. Dale. Uh, this is the time our, our kids are going to be dismissed for Children's Church, so they're, they're headed out that way. I think they may have gone out that way already. So we do have Children's Church available uh, and also a, a nursery over there and a, uh, a cry room in the back. Uh, it's good to be back uh, today. We were out last Sunday, and so it's always good to, uh, to have time away and, and time to travel and see family, but it's always good to, to be back as well. So I know we've got some who are still out traveling today and some who are sick, and so we're mindful of, of all of those who are, um, may still be traveling or doing Thanksgiving stuff or suffering from uh, eating too much or being around too, mon- too much family, passing bugs around. Not that being around family makes you sick, but, you know, if you pass stuff around, it, <laughs> it can. Uh, so today does begin Advent, and it is December 1st already, and uh, it is a, a joyous season within uh, our families, within uh, our church, and within the, the church calendar, so to speak, and it brings, uh, we, we know a lot of of busyness and activities for many of our, our families and lots of stuff going on, and, and we've got a lot of stuff going on as well during December uh, within our church family that we hope that you'll, you'll take advantage of and be a part of. We've been talking about our event next weekend for a while, uh, Illuminate is what we're, we're calling it, our re- weekend with Richard Beck. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, you can still do that online. Thank you for all those who have. We've had a great response, and uh, we think it's going to be a great weekend together. Even if you aren't able to come next Saturday, if you come next Sunday, uh, uh, Dr. Beck will be preaching next Sunday, and, and so you can get a taste of the weekend if you only come on Sunday, but you're going to miss uh, some rich stuff and a rich experience, we think, on Saturday. Uh, and so we hope that you'll be able to come to both of those, but even if you're just here next Sunday, you'll get uh, a taste of that next weekend. Uh, and then the weekend after that, the next Sunday, the 15th, we've got our church family Christmas dinner that we hope that you'll come and be a part of. And then between those two things, uh, we haven't really advertised this, uh, I don't think at all, or, or promoted this, but we're going to do a night of worship on December 11th, that Wednesday night. It'll be part of our regular kind of Wednesday night programming, at least uh, meeting time-wise, but we're going to do a night of worship. Uh, we, we got some new equipment in place, and we were kind of wanting to make sure some of that got in place so I don't know if Chris has even communicated this to, the, to some of the band, um, but uh, we, we wanted to do a night of worship on one of those Wednesdays in December, partly just to, to have some time to worship together, but also because we want to, um, to record and, and even video some things that we can use on our website, that we can use in other online forums to kind of give a taste of the worship experience at the Vine um, so that people can, can kind of get a, a feel and a taste of it um, so that uh, whether that's visitors, new people, or people who are on the road a lot, like I know Yvonne is with us this morning, and so, uh, yeah, she's back safely with us today, so give people like Yvonne a, a chance to, to experience some of that while they're on the road or, or away, and so we're going to, uh, we're planning to do that again December 11th, so we hope that you'll come with us, not only for the rich experience that we hope that that is in, in joining together in worship, but also from, for the resources that, that we think that it can, can provide for us and give to us. Uh, okay, so with Advent beginning, we are uh, beginning a new series, and we are going to be, for the time of Advent, uh, for this month, again, except for kind of next week when, when Richard Beck will do some different stuff, we're going to be in Matthew 2 uh, for the month of December. 
And so Matthew and Luke both record uh, their own accounts of Jesus' birth. And, and Luke is the much more kind of nativity scene version of the story. It's, it's kind of the nice, warm, fuzzy feeling version. Uh, Luke focuses a lot more on Mary and, and Mary's role and Mary's attitude and Mary's heart and all of those things. Um, Matthew doesn't really have much about Mary at all. Um, Matthew has more of kind of the grisly details in the dark side of the story. But Matthew's account in Matthew 2 uh, is full of, of intrigue and, and uh, meaning and depth and twists and turns and, and all kinds of those kind of cliche things. And yet at the heart of, of Matthew's account of Christ's birth in Matthew 2 is this search for a king. These wise men who have come and they are searching for a king. And so there are all these other elements of the story that we're going to get into over the course of this month, but, but I like the idea that at the heart of this story is this search. Uh, because I think most of us, if we are honest with ourselves, are searching. Um, maybe, maybe you're kind of time of searching was in the past, and, and maybe you don't really feel like this is a, a, a big season of searching for you, or maybe you are currently wrestling with, with big, deep questions of, of searching and, and looking. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, hopefully most of us are searching. Uh, hopefully, I think all of us should be or are searching, because to assume that we are no longer searching would assume that we have arrived, we've arrived at a place of full maturity uh, and faith and, and obedience to God's will, which I don't think any of us um, have arrived at yet. And so there's this lifelong kind of search and journey that we, were on, that we are on. And, and so I think this story uh, has something to say to us. I think there are elements of it that we can relate to as we read about this search for a king, uh, and as we think about our own journeys and our own searches. So Matthew 2 uh, is where we're going to be, and today we're going to pick up with the beginning of that chapter. We're going to read Matthew 2, 1 through 8, and I'm going to read uh, these eight verses, but then really we're just going to focus on the very beginning of this chapter uh, this morning, but I want to go ahead and read Matthew 1 through 8 for a little bit of context. And so we'll read this and then uh, discuss again in the, the beginning of it in detail. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go 
and worship him. Uh, now, you, you may very well know the rest of the story, uh, and, and maybe this would be kind of the fact that I know the rest of the story or that I know kind of where Herod goes from here. Maybe this is some bias showing, but I think that if you just stop there in verse 8, you've got to have some questions about Herod's motives, right? <laughs> when Herod says, hey, I want you to go search for this kid so I can go worship him too, I think we're already thinking, uh, maybe not, <laughs> It sounds like you've got some other ideas in mind, and we'll find out later that, of course, he does. Uh, he doesn't seem to be really on board this whole situation. But the beginning of this chapter starts out with this, this great kind of introduction that Matthew gives us. And I want to read it again from the, this is from the New Revised Standard Version, which kind of orders things a little bit differently. That says, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And so what you can basically do with this, with this kind of verse and a half here at the beginning of Matthew 2, if you condense that down, you can take out some of the, the, the extra stuff in here, strike through some of it, and, and condense it down to a pretty amazing sentence, I think. So if you push all that that's still in white together, what we have is, in the time of King Herod, Jesus was born King of the Jews. Which is an amazing sentence that is just filled to the brim with meaning and intrigue and depth and, and I think it is just a fascinating sentence. And so I want to explain this morning or, or kind of share why I think this is such an amazing sentence and the hope that I think it, it has for us as we think about hope this morning. And so for that, we're going to kind of break this down into the three parts. First of all, in the time of King Herod. Uh, so Matthew's gospel was written primarily to a Jewish audience. It was written to, uh, to predominantly Jewish, believing, uh, Jewish people who were believers of Jesus. Um, Matthew's gospel has a lot of references to the Old Testament. Uh, there's a lot of focus on the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, which we already see some of that just in Matthew chapter 2 here. Uh, Matthew includes a lot of kind of Jewish stuff, Jewish culture, uh, places, people, things like that, and he, he includes a lot of that stuff without really explaining a lot about what it is, uh, because he just assumes that his people are going to know, that the readers are going to know what this stuff is, what it means, and so there's this connection to Israel's past throughout Matthew's writing. He's writing primarily to, to Jewish believers. Uh, he's also writing about uh, probably about 60 or 70 years after Jesus' birth. Uh, it's probably about 30 or 40 years after Jesus' death. We don't know for sure, but somewhere in that range is kind of a general, uh, kind of generally accepted idea. And so we're looking back at something that happened 60 or 70 years ago, but from a context of people who know their story very well and who have had this tradition uh, of Israel's story passed along to them. And so this is the, the context in which Matthew is writing. And so when we hear in the time of Herod, it, 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 could, it might as well just say, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, right? 
Uh, it's just kind of like, this was a long time ago. It was a time of Herod. It happened way back there. We know a little bit about Herod, but it's just kind of a time stamp for us. For a Jewish person reading this, it was much more than that. When a Jewish person read in the time of Herod, that there would have been a reaction like, ooh, yeah, I, I've heard about that. Or I remember that. I was there during that time. My parents told me about that time. My grandparents shared stories about that time. It, it wasn't great. Uh, Herod was this tyrannical, ruthless uh, ruler, uh, governing king over Judea, over the Jewish people. Um, he was known for many things. One of the things that he was known for was his, his grand building projects that he wanted to kind of establish his own legacy through, through construction and, and, and building things that would kind of cement his legacy. And, and in doing so, he admittedly kind of wanted to endear himself to the Jewish people. Uh, he reconstructed the temple and did this massive temple project that if you go to Jerusalem today and visit the temple, most of what you will see is, is thanks to the work of Herod and the, the reconstruction efforts of Herod. And so he built these, these great and grand things throughout Judea in the hopes in part of cementing his own legacy, but also endearing himself to the Jewish people. Uh, but he did that. He gained the resources and the finances through that through some pretty unscrupulous means at times, cheating the people out of, out of money and, and kind of just building up his own wealth. Uh, he also built all these things oftentimes on the back of, backs of forced Jewish labor. Uh, and so even the things that were designed to endear himself to the Jewish people just kind of served to further a wedge between him and the people. Uh, he was a very politically savvy person who came to power uh, really in many ways, partly from his family connections, but partly because of his ability to network and kind of make friends with the right people. Uh, and so because this is how he kind of came to power, uh, he recognized it really wasn't anything of his own doing that, that got him here. It was kind of because of who he was and who he knew. And so he was very paranoid about losing his position of authority. He recognized kind of the fragility of, of his place uh, in governance. And so he was paranoid about any type of threat to his position or authority. So much so that he killed at least one of his wives. He had multiple wives. Uh, he killed at least one of them because he was afraid of, of her threat to his power and killed two of his sons because he was convinced they were coming for his power and position. Uh, there was a saying that... Um, began to be said about Herod that is attributed to that time at least, uh, that it is better to be Herod's pig than his son. Because everyone knew that if you posed any type of threat to Herod, you were a goner. Uh, and so there were all kinds of stories then that spread about Herod. Uh, one of them that Josephus writes about is that the, this paranoia that Herod had extended then and, and kind of manifested itself in many ways. Uh, part of it was this, this fear that people were going to come for his, his place of, of power and position. Uh, but he was also paranoid and, and kind of recognized that people didn't really like him. And so he was paranoid that, that when he died, no one would mourn his death. And so he said, well, if, I've, if I'm something great, people need to mourn my death when I die. So he had this plan. He had his family members round up prominent men from across Judea, uh, well-respected, uh, well-known men, and he gathered them all in this theater. Um, and he said, I want you to hold them captive there until I die. And then on the day I die, you put them all to death. 
so that there will be mourning in Judea on the day of my death. That's, there's some issues there. <laughs> um, but that was, that was how he thought. Uh, and, and that story is, is dip- disputed by some, at least in, as far as the motivation uh, for him gathering up all those people goes. But that's the way that Josephus tells it. That was kind of the idea at the time. And this was the idea that people had about Herod. Someone who was just arrogant, self-involved, um, focused on his own gain, but very politically, uh, politically savvy and, and knew what he was doing, but would snuff out any type of rebellion or opposition or resistance. And so the Jewish people then, by and large, despised, feared, and hated Herod. Uh, and so when Matthew writes that Jesus was born in the time of King Herod, What he means is that Jesus was born into a time of oppression, darkness, political unrest, and a peace that was obtained by wiping out anyone who threatened or feigned opposition. And so when a Jewish person read, in the time of Herod, they knew, oh, that was rough. And so when a Jewish person read, in the time of Herod, Jesus was born... They knew that's a bad time to be born. Uh, have you ever read uh, something that happened in history, maybe in school or maybe on your own, and just thought, that would have been a rough time to be born? I remember learning about the Great Depression and, and hearing stories about the Great Depression and thinking, that had to be a, a rough time to be born. <laughs> I'm glad that I was not born during the time of, of the Great Depression. Uh, Throughout history, there have just been times you could look back on and think, that would have been a rough time to be born. Uh, And so for a Jewish person looking back, they would have known, man, the time of Herod, that was a rough time to be born. And uh, I think then that recalling the time in which Jesus was born serves as a reminder of the inability of darkness to snuff out light. Uh, John, even in describing Jesus' coming into the world, describes it this way. John writes at the beginning of his gospel, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Uh, that Jesus being born in the time of Herod is this reminder that no darkness, no time of, uh, of, of evil, of unrest, of, of upheaval, of, of any other thing that you could add in there, no time can... Uh, can stand against the will and the purpose and the mission of God. That as you keep reading through Matthew 2, there are many times when you just think, this isn't going to work out. Like, how are they going to get out of this, right? I mean, it literally takes divine intervention for, for Jesus just to stay alive as a toddler. Uh, they end up fleeing uh, as refugees, basically, to Egypt, and they come back, and Joseph looks around, he says, things aren't much better now, even though Herod's gone, so they have to go somewhere else and just... There's this constant struggle even just to keep Jesus alive as a baby. And you think, how in the world is this ever going to work? Uh, But the darkest night has no power to stave off the coming dawn. And and we find that is true in the message and the ministry of Jesus. So even in the time of Herod, Jesus was born and light overpowers the darkness. Uh, But Jesus wasn't just born into the world at this time. Jesus was born in the time of Herod, and he was born king of the Jews. 
Uh, which again, if you just put this all together, is, is quite the fascinating sentence for a Jewish person to read, that in the time of Herod, Jesus was born king of the Jews. Uh, because again, Herod was the, the sort of ruler of Judea. Herod was appointed by Rome as what they called the client king of Judea. Uh, and so what Rome did, Rome, you know, they would go in, they would kind of take a people or a nation captive, um, but Rome kind of decided at one point, we don't have time to send our own people to be the governing people in all of these places. So we've just kind of set up puppet states. We've got to set up people who we know will be loyal to us, who can rule in these different provinces and, and nations and places, and they will be our client kings in these places. And so... Herod was the client king of Judea, uh, appointed by Rome, which means he was king of the Jews. That was Herod's title. And again, he was paranoid that someone was going to come and take that from him because he realized the perilous nature of his hold on that. And so, in the time of Herod, who was king of the Jews, who was appointed king of the Jews, Jesus was born king of the Jews. You recognize the conflict that's at play here, right? <laughs> um, and, and just the, the many, many layers of, of meaning and intrigue um, and, and conflict that go into just that simple sentence. And you can understand then why Herod was disturbed, as the NIV says, or other versions say, frightened at what was happening. And you can understand, it says, Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Because they know, they know what this guy's like. They've witnessed his, his tyranny, his uh, just, his willingness to do anything to stave off opposition. Uh, the story of him rounding up people goes that, that he told his family, you know, he wanted to round up all these men, kill them on the day he died. And so the story goes that they did that. They rounded up all the people. And then on the day he died, they let him go. Uh, because even those closest to him realized, this guy's nuts. <laughs> He's a little off his rocker. Uh, and so when Herod gets frightened, everyone around him gets frightened too. Because for all we know, this guy's going to go kill a town full of, full of babies, right? Um, and so to this guy, in the time of the king of the Jews, Jesus was born king of the Jews. Uh, Jesus comes to overthrow the systems of oppression and darkness and tyranny. He comes to bring hope in times of despair. He comes to bring light in times of darkness. And it is seen from the very beginning in this one sentence, in the time of King Herod, Jesus was born king of the Jews. That he brings a new order, he brings a new kingship, he brings a new way of, of, of living within the world into this time where Jewish people are living under the rule of someone else. And so this morning, what I want us to consider is what fits in this blank for us. If you had to think about your life right now, uh, your life is being spent in the time of what? Uh, we all have, I think, kind of seasons where our lives, our times are defined by something, right? 
I've, I've shared in, in different ways of, you know, this, this for us, the last few months have kind of been the time of, of Ashley's leg injury, right? And that has kind of influenced and dictated and, and defined much of our activity for the past few months. Uh, maybe for you, it's, it's a time of, of transition. Maybe it's a time of upheaval. Maybe it's a time of, of loss or grief. Maybe it's a time of, of victory. Maybe it's a time of, of success and, and celebration. Maybe it's a time of hurt, of fear, of worry. We all have times in our life that are defined by something. And we look back and we remember, yeah, in the time of, of blank, this happened. Uh, and each of us in those situations, um, you know, I can tell you about what time it is in, in our family, but, but really... Just as the time of Herod, as I said earlier, it kind of just serves as a time stamp. But, but when I say it's the time of, you know, whatever it is for our family, it's the time of, of Ashley's leg injury, it's the time of new stuff at school, it's the time of whatever, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we know all the other stuff that comes with that. And so when you think about your own life, when you think about the time it is that you're in your own life, maybe for you, you could say something like it's the time of, of job loss. And to others, they, they may kind of recognize some of the difficulties that, that come with that, but, but for the most part, it just sound a, kind of sounds like a, a marker in time. But you know the weight and the burden and the emotion and the ways that that has affected your spirit when you say that. Uh, maybe for you, this is the time of the loss of a family member. And others know what that feels like, but, but maybe not exactly as you are experiencing it. They don't know the hole that that has left in, in your life and in your spirit and your heart. Uh, maybe for you, it's the time of, of divorce, of, of difficulty in family. Maybe it's a time of, of renewal and birth and, and new beginnings. And sure, other people have gone through that, but they don't know exactly how you are experiencing that. And so just as for a Jewish audience hearing in the time of Herod, they, they have that visceral emotional reaction, so too as we examine our lives and we think, you know, 2019 has really been the time of blank. And we can say that and name that and own that for ourselves, and we know the weight, the gravity, the burden, the joy, the excitement, all the feelings that go with that. And this morning, though, I want us to be encouraged in the hope that in the time of King Herod, Jesus was born King of the Jews. Which means that Jesus being born during the time of King Herod is a reminder that Jesus is birthed as King into whatever time it is that we find ourselves in. When we submit ourselves to his kingship and his kingdom. The Advent season is a season of expectant waiting. And in remembering that Jesus was born during the time of Herod, we are reminded that there are times that seem to be owned or dominated by powers and forces other than Christ. But we sit here today considering Herod as little more than a footnote to the greatest story ever told. Uh, I think that's a fascinating juxtaposition that, that Matthew tells this whole story in the context of the time of King Herod. But we don't know this as the time of King Herod. We know this as the time of Jesus' birth. Uh, we are, are celebrating the time of Jesus' birth, not the time of Herod. 
were lighting candles in expectant waiting of Jesus' birth, not Herod's tyrannical rule and, and plots to overturn that. Uh, we put up Christmas lights to remember Jesus' birth, not Herod. Uh, Hobby Lobby shelves are full of Christmas decorations half the year, not Herod decorations. Uh, this, is, this is the time. For us, the time is defined by Jesus' presence in the world, not Herod's attempts to overthrow that. And similarly, in our lives, there will be times that we feel like are defined by powers that are pushing against everything that we are and everything that we hope to be, and they are thwarting the powers of of light and goodness in our lives, and we think, surely this is the time of, of darkness, and there's nothing that's going to overcome that. But even in the time of darkness, Jesus is born king. And we are reminded that this is transformed into the time of Jesus, a time that was birthed all those years ago in Bethlehem and a time that continues to this day in those who have placed him as king of their lives. And so this morning as we share communion together, as we remember Jesus and his life and his birth, uh, his message, his ministry, and his death and his resurrection, may we be reminded of his kingship in our lives and that whatever time it is that we find ourselves, whatever difficulties we may be facing, whatever obstacles there are to seeing Jesus as our king, may we be reminded that even in the time of Herod, even when a ruthless, paranoid, uh, power-hungry figure occupied the title king of the Jews, Jesus was born king of the Jews. And so we're going to sing uh, this morning as the band comes back on stage, uh, and uh, we will continue uh, to sing and to think about Jesus' place in our lives, and I'd ask us to consider uh, how Jesus is king over our current time in our lives and what that means for us. We'll sing this together, uh, and then we'll share in communion uh, together this morning. So let's stand uh, and sing.
amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life that I would be set free. standing in prayer, our prayer of confession together, and then we'll share in communion this morning. I'll pray the parts in white, and together we'll pray the parts in yellow. Father, we confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. You may be seated. 